0: Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities.
1: We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one. Simple goal create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans we are all just figuring out life together.
0: For my birthday this year, I treated myself to a trip on the island of the, off the coast of Puerto Rico called Vieques. In my travels, I discovered that this is home of the brightest bioluminescent bay in the world near the town of this town called Esperanza. And when I read about it, I knew I needed to go. So a bioluminescent bay or bio bays are bodies of water where microscopic organisms called dinoflagellates grow in quantities large enough to produce a glow in the dark effect. And that's called bioluminescence. So when you paddle or splash the water, these organisms shine in like a neon blue green color. And it makes the water look as if it was lit by a million glowing stars. And what I also found was that there are five ecosystems in the world where the concentration of these dinoflagellates is high enough to be considered a bioluminescent bay. And Puerto Rico is home to three of them. So I knew that this would be a once in a lifetime experience. So I bought an eco kayak tour and made my way to Esperanza. It really involved uh, me driving for about two hours from San Juan, getting on a ferry, then getting in a cab, walking a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of different things. It it made you do some work. (laughs) yeah, Yeah, I have work to get there. And I was like, I am going to make sure that this gets done. And so, but like the experience was nothing less than magical. Like, so they bus you out to like through through like the darkness and it's pitch black outside when we get to our clear bottoms kayaks and we move through the water. Like it's like the whole place is glowing and you're only following like a glow stick in front of you. So, and I remember putting my hand in the water and like waving it around and like it, I I can't, it's just hard to describe this, but it was like, like a million diamonds were flighted flowing off of my fingers And like, it just, it blows my mind even to this day to like, remember that. And so the guides there were so knowledgeable um, and they talked about the ecosystem that supports the dinoflagellates. And they're actually people who are scientists and they've been preserving this space for a really long time. And so this, what's interesting is that this ecosystem like creates this in such a way that it actually allows this to happen. And also, what's interesting is that I looked up at the sky, and I could see the stars like I had never seen them before, and I felt like I was seeing galaxies above me. So this ecosystem, unfortunately, is being endangered because of our warming oceans. Uh, the dinoflagellates only live in a certain kind of ecosystem, and the warming water um, is is making it and making them go away, and so. This is obviously because of humans. And so going on this experience helped me think about this kind of destructive power of our world, how we don't live in harmony with the ecosystems that are around us and make us thrive. Like the dinoflagellites, they actually needed the the vegetation that was there. Um, The, oh gosh, I forgot the name of them, but like they're, oh, the, I forgot, uh, but the mangroves—that's what it is. Yes. Oh, the mangroves. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, like, they had this—the mangroves that were creating the eat the the food that the dinoflagellates eat, and so on and so forth. So, anyway, this was creating the symbiotic harmony that was there. Um, but as we've been like discussing on this podcast, our society works to break our connection to each other but as an extension, we're also losing our connection to nature and to mother earth. And that if we don't see each other as one with nature, we feel like we have to disconnect from it and then we can exploit it to incredible ends. So in the end, this is a literal race to our own end. So this is the topic of our conversation today and I'm calling it mother earth.
1: Yeah. Oh, and this is I feel like this topic has been in coming like a moment in building for 36 years I, for me. Um, because I feel like I was disconnected and from from the planet and the ecosystem and I, I didn't even realize it. Uh your story from Puerto Rico is reminded me of a date I had with my husband Paul, where in Florida I it was the largest moon it's going to be in 50 years type thing. And so we went nighttime kayaking to check out some bioluminescence and, and look at the moon. And and we were in a two-person kayak. And that was the first time I got to experience it in my life, this, this wonder. Like, and the picture you painted of the galaxy or the stars, it reminds me of that. And it wasn't as strong as how you I, you've described it because we were slightly off season. And again, I, again, this was another one of those we heard about climate change impacting it and all of these concerns and it was just there. And that was sort of this moment where my focus was centered around my, oh, this is a date. So my centering is with my husband in that moment and we we're enjoying it, it was great. Um, but I was still disconnected. I still think I wasn't connected to the planet Earth or anything. I was like, oh, this is really cool that's sort of where the extent of my relationship with that went and i grew up in a city in kolkata in kolkata in india which is very crowded dense not as not as much greenery not as much connection back to nature or the planet it, it is sort of a break from the uh, the planet in my opinion there's some trees around but in in general it's there's parks and experiences but it's still a more of a decorative aspect of it rather than a um partnership or something that uh, living together uh, that we're thriving together. And I remember the story where I went to a tri- tiger preserve as, as on a, a little vacation um, called the Sundarbans in, in West Bengal in India and in the Sundarbans that, uh, Another thing is humans have caused the tigers, the the poaching and and all uh, climate change, all of these, the uh, habitat exploitation has led to the tiger population at endangered levels. So it's very rare to be able to see a tiger. When that was the whole context was we were at this place and we were there for two two to three nights, and I was solely focused. On, I want to see a tiger. I want to see a tiger. And on that focus, and the focus was just the the prize and the reward was to see the tiger. It wasn't even to learn, to understand. It was none of that. It was just like, oh, I get to see a tiger. That's amazing. That's an achievement unlocked kind of thing. It's a, like, instead of a, that reconnection. And in that moment, I remember going into the room and when I come out, there'd be bugs and insects and plants and i would be like, oh, this is not great you. And I would come back and I'd be afraid of that. And I'd be sort of disgusted and all these little like negative feelings uh, I, I remember in that journey. And I didn't get to see a tiger, but in that sort of sole mission of seeing the tiger, I didn't see anything else. I I didn't look, I didn't see anything else around me. And and this story sort of, I feel like demonstrates my disconnection to planet earth, our mother earth, the disconnection to the ecosystem that we are part of. And one thing like, and so today we're talking about this this idea of can we build empathy for the planet? Can we build empathy not just for humans, not just for ourselves, but for other other life forms that exist, and and maybe even the life form that maybe Earth is, and our Mother Earth that enables us. Um, this isn't another conversation about climate change, and and I I I want to sort of talk about that a little bit because I, I feel like people are just sometimes we're like, oh, not another thing about climate change. I get it. I know, or something. And, and this isn't about that. This is slightly different, but also this idea of that we're just sort of so tired of uh, this burden that we're carrying. I mean, how do you process that? How do you understand that?
0: Mm. Yeah. So when I think about, about this idea, like I'm thinking in a deeper way is like, you know, we, it's like that disconnection that we're feeling and, I have been I, recently with one of my clients. I was I've been working with them. It's I've been working with a series of dialogues with a group called like um, with nurses, and there's something that's really interesting. It's like a four part series I'm doing with my book and talking about how modern world is affecting our empathy, and there's actually this concept that comes from healing professions called compassion fatigue. And you probably recognize the idea behind it. You might not be like aware of it, familiar with it, but it's a feeling that you have no more empathy to give and even to yourself. And It's like I said, it's usually seen in the helping professions, but I had an aha moment when I was talking to them because I was like, how do I make this relevant to people in, in healthcare? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so this idea of like compassion fatigue, um, it's similar to burnout, which usually stems from having too much work or too many responsibilities.
1: Yeah. The stress of of the work pushing you down. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and we probably, you probably have heard of burnout quite yeah. a bit <laughs> yeah. in the more recent years. Uh-huh. And it's way deeper and disorienting though, in, in this in this specific thing. So it follows the simple equation, burnout plus secondary trauma.
1: Mm. Interesting. So,
0: so that's something that I, you know, as I was researching and going deeper in this. So, but what I have realized and through a lot of the conversations I've been having and what I've been writing in my book is that the pandemic has continues and there is such a there's a 24 hours news cycle that brings non-stopping news of suffering around the world like just the other <laughs> the other day all of these teenagers are being shot by people like you know there's like three or four teenagers just being shot by different people um you know, in different ways, like just by going to the wrong house by accident, right? Yeah, and, and and just s-
1: today, I saw the news that their two cheerleaders were shot at because they got into the wrong car.
0: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> it's it's just continuous, just continuous stress of suffering. Totally.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we're seeing that that suffering, and also, especially if you are um, in a bla- uh, like a BIPOC community like black indigenous people of color um that's what it stands for for those who aren't aware so like if you're in those communities like you're already being affected in so many different ways and so what is happening we're we're all at risk of developing this compassion fatigue and it's a process that we go through so it takes some time to develop it's been building slowly um and then before you, before you know it, you stop learning. You don't stop caring about yourself and then other people in your life. And, and like, you can't keep giving compassion and, and empathy because you're just like, I don't have anything more to left to give, you know? Mm. So that is something that's really interesting. And so I've been reading a book recently called the Politics of Trauma, so- Somatics, Healing, and Social Justice, and the author, Stacy Haynes, writes that and says that it's linked, all this stuff is linked to trauma and that trauma is an experience, a set of experiences and or impacts from social conditions that break or betray our inherent need for safety, belonging, and dignity right? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. It's, it's,
1: it's like, so the, the impact social conditions that break or betray our inherent need for safety, belonging, and dignity. And I think, especially thinking about it from the perspective of our topic today, mother earth and our relationship there, I think this is even more interesting. Yeah. Keep going.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, not surprising what we we're just talking about this place where we're in a place where we're trying to give compassion and we just don't have anything more to give, right? So we we are constantly threatened. We're under. We're fearing, and we're numbing out. And you know, in the you know in in psychology, they call it dissociating. Mm. Um, and so, because we put dissociating, we talked about fear in a previous episode. Um, because we do this, we actually have developmental ways that's like makes us in a fight or flight or mm-hmm. a dissociative state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we put our blinders on. What happens is that we have this tunnel vision and we can only respond to what's directly in front of us mm-hmm. and we start seeing the people or the compassion. we start have stop having compassion for the people around us. We might even we might not even see them.
1: Yeah.
0: So we're being reactive and then bit be- rather than proactive. And so in that state of fear and scarcity, we feel like there's not enough resources to go around. So we see our neighbors as people to fear instead of people to love and understand. And what's also interesting as an extension of that, we start seeing nature around us as something to exploit, something to fear instead of to love and understand. So at the end of the day, like all of these things are interconnected and intersectional, and this is really a race to the bottom.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. So many things coming up here is this idea that we see our neighbors as separate from us and we see our planet separate from us we see the like this this idea that in fact we say we are humans and they are animals and and we use animals sometimes as a derogatory term like don't be like an animal and and it's it's another term that sort of creates that separation and when in fact humans are animals we, we have the same, bio, like we've come from the same place, plants, animals, all of the come from these materials. It's just different forms of molecules. In fact, we have a lot of the same molecules we create that plants create, that animals have. And it's, we are so interconnected. And then this idea that we are, we see ourselves separate. And then this, I, the fear that's holding us back and, and keeping us that, not that we are part of this ecosystem, that we're part, like we are this ecosystem. And I love the idea. This is the race to the bottom. This is the race to the end. It's a literal race where we are exploiting our neighbor, our ecosystem, for the short-term excitement or enjoyment or whatever we need in 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 the end, what we're really doing is long term, we're harming ourselves because we are part of this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, we, I definitely, like, we want to heal from this fatigue. We want to not feel this compassion fatigue. And how do we replenish this well of empathy so that we're, we're not only just having empathy for other humans, but also empathy for our planet, for, for the, for nature, for everything that this ecosystem is, needs to thrive and sustain because we rely on it. I rely on it. And, and I think the difference in, in perspective was before it was this we have the resources from the planet and the universe. And that is, we're gonna use those resources for my gain to make my life better, to make my life. Versus it's more of the perspective is, well, we are part of this ecosystem. So if mm-hmm. I if I take a more than I need and, more than, and don't give back, then it's basically I'm creating a zero sum game where I'm gonna take a bunch, 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 and then the ecosystem is gonna collapse and then I won't have anything and then we're all gonna collapse. So this idea of race to the bottom T- totally makes sense um and so yeah this isn't another chat about climate change this is about our disconnection to this ecosystem to this planet to mother Earth to and how we build empathy and and if we look at what's happened is um we pass laws against plants which is so so arrogant of humans to do as humans, we're like, yes, I will pass a law and ban plants because I am a human for some reason. Versus what kind trying of to,
0: plants are you talking about?
1: Mushrooms are banned, psilocybin, all these different uh, like okay. plant based so things. Mar- okay,
0: marijuana. well, doubt.
1: thats one example of plants are banned. There's okay. many different okay. plants. as a- even animals that are banned, right? And we mm-hmm. understand it's finding that balance and understanding them instead of saying, okay, how do we become partner in this ecosystem rather than how do we become um, a consumer of this ecosystem. And I think that perspective change came to me years later because I was disconnected because I was a very, uh, I was a good eco- uh, consumer. I was a good capitalistic boy who grew up and learned the capitalistic system. And I'm like, yes, I can thrive in this system. But the more I took, the more I felt like I was giving up of myself because I, in my in my journey to love myself, I realize that I'm, I am part of this ecosystem. So to love myself, I need to love this ecosystem. I need to understand this ecosystem. It's not just me alone. Just like to understand myself and to love myself, I need to learn about my culture, my family. I needed to find love for my mom, my dad, my brother. I needed to find love for everything that makes me and plants make me animals make me, I am an animal, the planet, the air, everything. And I need to understand it and find love for it to find love for myself. And I think that was that sort of path to disconnection. Um, Something that I was thinking about is like, okay, if I'm sort of talking about consumerism is harming, our ecosystem is, is ruining is this driving to the race to the bottom. Um, And in fact, the opposite of that, it's seen, uh, environmentalism is seen as the sometimes as often viewed as mutually opposing constructs. While consumerism emphasizes the accumulation and consumption of material resources, environmentalism advocates for resources conservation and long term sustainability. The idea is we are part of this ecosystem. So how do we continue bringing into the cycle and going back and forth? It's that circle versus just take, 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 and what we need. And mm-hmm. so that is sort of how I kind of um, started understanding that I was disconnected from from Mother Earth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that makes me think about you know seventh generation thinking that comes from from indigenous tribes. Mm-hmm. Is that they try to think about how do I cultivate the land and the earth and my my life, you know, so that I can have seven generations from now that generation can thrive
1: oh very interesting right? yeah
0: and there's there's a product brand code seventh generation you know that's what that's one of the things that it's taking from and and from it but there's a lot of wisdom in indigenous thinking because they are using the land in a sustainable way
1: mm-hmm. yeah so I, I think we've been talking about in the past a lot of, about the culture the the toxic culture, the characteristics of our culture than the system we live in. Mm-hmm. And I think this is so connected, this idea that we're talking about, this disconnection. What do you think?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, this, This we've been following along with kind of Tema Okun's work. is our, um, And this isn't expressly uh, mentioned in her work as far as like, this is a characteristic of her work, but it's but as we've gone deeper, um, we've, and we, we've been chatting, um, this it's our, what this is all about is like working our relationship or our planet and all living things. And it seems like a natural progression for us to talk about, okay, if we stop having empathy for each other, are we going to ha- we're going to stop having empathy for, for others. Um, and so, you know, we're misusing, um, you know, our culture mistreats and misuses the resources around us. And so for as long as I can remember, and when I was, uh, you know, when I was first introduced to, uh, you know, ecosystems to kind of genuses and species, you know, it's always been this hierarchy of needs with humans at the top of the food chain and everything mm-hmm. underneath it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's this is hierarchy with us at the top, that genus and species, everything underneath it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really accepted as a natural order of things. And then I I was just saying this to you earlier that I was like, whenever there's a hierarchy, you kind of have to be wary about it. <laughs> <Yes>. right?
1: <laughs> right? That word is a red flag.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it's a symptom of white supremacy culture, or just mm-hmm. like. Supremacy culture, not necessarily white supremacy culture, yeah. right? It's like saying that I'm above everything else. Mm-hmm. So we're at the top, and everything else is below us.
1: Yeah. Oh, what an image I'm imagining. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but if I, you know, if you sit to think about it, you know, maybe this is something that you take a, like an edible or something like that, to, like, <laughs> yeah, and like think about it for some time, or you know, you, like microdose or something, but. But if you sit, if to that think plant about is it,
1: not banned in your if, area, if yes, if it's not planned
0: in your area, I live in Washington, DC, it is legal. Uh-huh. So, um, but if you sit to think about it, I should show up, I should show up like the ecosystem and the bio bay example, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at the top of the expo episode, there's a symbiotic relationship between each other And there's no power over dynamic. They live with each other and the people who come to visit and to do the kayaking and the people who, who are there are stewards of the land. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and this is about the relationship to the planet and the ecosystem. So, um, so we're, we're seeing this through the capitalistic lens. You mentioned this earlier, um, but we're seen as animals in this, in this world. And we should start seeing each other more like that. It's really about our relationship to each other and to nature. And this exploitation is a function and a feature of white supremacy culture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we must fear the things around us, sever the ties from the ecosystem, from the planet, because if we sever those ties, um, it will separate ourselves from each other and then we can use these resources to make us at that top of that food chain
1: yeah oh anytime hierarchy comes up I I feel like I, I I'm triggered right? but the I the I think what you mentioned is I feel like I'm so inspired by is that we, we the symbiotic relationship I think we, if I start seeing myself as I have a symbiotic relationship with plants around me and the planet Earth itself. I think that is so different than seeing uh, this hierarchical food chain hierarchy. Um, because I, I get it, the food chain hierarchy is who, can, who, who is the predator and who is the prey and all of those aspects of it. And I get that, but it's still this idea of instead of thinking of it as hierarchy is thinking of it as we are, we are in symbiosis with, with this planet and all the ecosystem and all the life forms and organisms and resources that come together to continue sustaining this planet and it took me 36 years to realize that it th- that i had this my default lens when i looked into the world when i looked anywhere it was a lens of exploitation and it it really took me journey through um self discovery and understanding and breaking down my narcissism and understanding and seeing the world differently and 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 sort of separating myself from my ego in a way and decentering myself that i realized that um that I was looking at the world and everything I would look at would be my default would be like, what can I do with this? How can I? And it, exploit doesn't have to be a negative exploit. It's still like, how can I share this with someone? It was, how can I do this? How, what can I do with this? And how can I make a profit from this? Or how can I, how can I use this for my benefit or benefit of my community? Even if it was a positive intent, is how can I use this for a benefit of my husband or of other animals or for the community? It was still thinking through that exploitative lens. And seeing the world as a resource rather than seeing the world as my home, as my ecosystem, as my I'm in symbiosis, as this. And so, coming back to um, the image you talked about in the bioluminescent bay and, this, and looking at it at the stars and galaxies, this it reminded me of this idea. A physicist recently, uh, an astronomer, said that we we really only know about less than six percent of the universe right now. And with the James Webb telescope, we are seeing more and more of it. In the past, when we would look up into the sky, we would say, oh, look at all these billions of stars. But in reality, now we know when we are looking up, we're actually, we're looking up, look at all these billions of galaxies. That's the current understanding. And I think it will evolve as we learn more. So first we I'm, I'm thinking, what if we don't even understand the planet well enough that we live in? We just know so little. And so what if the planet itself, imagine, like let, go into this imaginative journey with me where, what if the planet was a living organism and we just don't understand it because we are saying, because it doesn't look and feel like me or like another earth or another plant, uh, another plant, maybe it's not alive, but what if it is in its own way, because it, it helps life grow, there's resources, there's heat source in it, it creates reactions. What if the outer part was the skin and and the oil and everything that's being built is sort of the fluids inside like we have blood they have other things that are needed in 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 continuing this ecosystem what if we started seeing the planet that way and i think that vision i started seeing helped me start started reconnecting with the planet and so the like Mm -hmm. the question in my like how do i reconnect how do we unsever the ties that capitalism and this hierarchical based structures and the toxic characteristics of cultures have formed. And I think Mm. seeing the planet maybe as a life form that we still don't understand, just like we have microorganisms on our body and hair and resources in our, in our body and fat and proteins and all these things that help us do. What if that's what the earth is, but we just don't understand it
0: yet. Mm. What's interesting when you talk about that is like, when I think about, mother earth mm-hmm. like what is the thing that comes to mind like mm-hmm. mother like it's mother yeah. you know there's lots of things <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's, it's like yeah it's like the give mother life. that give births us, life. us gives yeah. us life and it's just like coming back to it it's like yeah. So it's, I, there's a lot of richness there
1: yeah. yeah and so amy how did you find your connection to the planet uh
0: yeah well i i literally was born into it <laughs> mm-hmm. um so I grew up in rural Maryland in a mm-hmm. t- tiny town called Street, Maryland. I lived on Tucker Road in Street, Maryland. Uh-huh. Um, and my father was a good old boy from West Virginia. He was a hunter, a machinist. He was good with fixing things, like he fixed cars and he fixed houses and he did stuff. He actually built the house that we live in. We oh, lived wow. it, you know. Yeah. And I heard this amazing story that my father in ni- around 1970, walks into the deep woods and he sits on a big rock, big ass <laughs> rock. And then he decided to build his house on it, right? It was mm. like homesteading, right? Wow. And so it's, and he built, he bought 20 acres of land in the middle of the woods. We lived on a trailer for the first like five or six years of my life as my dad built the house we're living mm-hmm. in. And what was incredible about this is that my dad just kind of created this homestead for, for us. And like we had, we come from, my dad comes from a long line of gardeners. So we had a garden, we had berries, we had an orchard, we had an azalea garden, like, (laughs) and so my dad would teach me how to garden. And I spent my days in the woods getting lost and, you know, coming back and sometimes trying to run away from home for various Mm -hmm. reasons, but Mm -hmm. And then in the fall, we would be raking leaves together in the fall. And, um, so he, my dad would even walk out in the woods with my sisters and I, and then ask what kind of tree that is, or what kind of leaf that is and what look at the bark and like, what kind of ant things are in the woods. So it was like, it, it is that symbiotic thing that, that was, was happening. And so, that i felt that i was like one with nature so to speak and so um and i know so much about nature because of him mm. and something that's very sweet is that you know at christmas time you know a lot of people go and you know get christmas trees not surprisingly mm-hmm. chop them off mm-hmm. but my dad was like no 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 we're going to go get a tree and then we're going to get pick it up like a week later and it's bald Mm-hmm. at the bottom, like bald as in like, not, you know, dead. Yeah, yeah but the
1: roots are
0: like, all the roots are still there. Yeah, yeah. bottom with the roots there, we would have it at Christmas time with like this big box underneath it, have that Christmas tree and then plant it on our land, oh, you know, and that's so. That's a this... great
1: example of this ecosystem, giving um, back cycling, and Yeah, right?
0: And so my dad would every year he would, Plant a tree in a row. And so by the time it was 2000, 2020, which is when we sold the house, mm-hmm. um, my father passed away in 2019. We sold the house in 2020. There was a long row of like 20 or 30 oh. Christmas <laughs> trees, right? Yeah. And so this was kind of the life I led. And so I didn't really appreciate that as much until I became an adult. Mm-hmm. And so as I've gotten older, I found that I feel most connected when I'm in nature. So yeah. Something. Thanks for
1: sharing. <laughs> what an amazing story. And and I'm and, in mean, visual in my head right now. And also reminds me of stories I hear from my husband who also like he, his backyard was a forest and he would just get lost and, you know, just explore, pick up rocks, see who's there, like what, what animals are there and, and the plants. And, and I, I just, I, I, I didn't have that experience. I grew up in a city and and your story reminds me of this quote, You Are Who You Meet by Augustine Fuentes, an American primatologist at Princeton University. And this idea that, Amy, you grew up and you met the forest, you met nature, you met Mother Earth. And so you are sort of connected in there. And I I, I grew up and I met capitalism and I met hierarchical mm-hmm. structures and the system of colonization and white supremacy. So I I, I totally g- get it. So... Today, we're leaving you with this question. Um, What is your connection to Mother Earth? And are you in harmony or separate from her?
0: Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw, two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at wilson and Kevin at ShawKevin.